0: planting season. How many of you have uh, planted your garden already? Yeah, we don't do that around here yet, do we? Uh, no, a few of you have. That's good. Uh, we've planted a few uh, flowers and things. It looks like there's probably not going to be a frost. When we first moved here, people told us that you should wait till after Mother's Day to plant anything. So, uh, uh, so we did. Um, and a few years, we uh, well, over the years, I guess I've realized that it's probably more like Memorial Day before uh, before we can really know that there's no uh, no big heavy frost that's coming. Um, Rebecca and I have, uh, have attempted gardens a few times over the years with varying amounts of success. I certainly would not call us gardeners uh but one year we had a we had a, a small garden we had kind of put this little thing uh, not we, we didn't live here uh but uh, we had this this little uh garden just kind of off the out the back door and right against the house there and and uh we would compost our garbage into that just directly in there we'd throw uh throw i don't know banana peels and and uh, uh potato peelings and you know whatever Leftover vegetables, whatever, we just kind of till them in uh, ever so often and and uh, we did that through the fall and winter uh, this this one year, and then in the spring we hadn't planted anything yet, and a vine came up and uh, it turned out that that uh, that the pumpkin rinds and seeds that we had tilled in the the fall before had uh, had had taken root, and so we were about to be pumpkin farmers now I was I was pretty excited about that. I thought that was going to be pretty cool. So I started watering and weeding, though, and those vines started taking off. And, and sure enough, soon we had buds, and we had flowers, and, and beautiful orangey flowers. And I don't know if you've seen pumpkin vines, but that's what they do. And uh, But then the flowers would come on, and then they'd kind of wilt, and they'd disappear. And I'm going, okay, well, that means the pumpkins got – and there were no pumpkins. They are just the flowers, and then, then they would kind of die off and – so I started reading and finding out a little bit about being a pumpkin farmer. I guess it doesn't just happen. you got to kind of work at it a little bit. And uh, I, I learned the difference uh, between the, uh, the, the male flower and the female flower that come up on the vine and how pollination and fertilization takes place, usually by bees going uh, from the male flower to the female flower, and then a pumpkin can start growing. I feel like we should, I don't know, we, uh, you didn't think you were gonna have a biology lesson in church today, I guess. But um, as I uh, as as I watched and I waited, it seemed like our bees were were on vacation. There were there was no pollination taking place, and so these flowers would and then they'd, they then no no pumpkins. So I decided I was gonna take every, uh, take it all under my own power, and I would do the pollinating for those lazy bees. And uh, so I got a little leaf and I uh, did a little and then a little and did a little and then a l- and you know what pretty soon we had pumpkins on the vine and I was back in business a pumpkin farmer and uh, and, and so uh, anyway it was it, it was pretty cool and, and I had visions of charging admission to uh, take family hayrides in our backyard at the uh, at the that suburban backyard that we I, I think at the end of the, the, the season, when fall rolled around, we had about, I don't know, 10 or 11 pumpkins, most of which were maybe the size of, well, maybe a little bit, probably not as big as my head. And they weren't like, round; they were kind of misshapen I don't know, it'd be nice to have had another season or two to maybe figure that out. But it was not a bumper crop, we didn't have any wagon tour, hay wagon tours, but it was, it was fun. That experience, along with some other uh, experiences over the years, just in out in nature and and learning new things and all of that, uh, has has just done well done a lot. But it, it has increased my awe and wonder at how God's creation works. With the right amount of sun and water and nutrients, a little seed can grow into something amazing. And. Over the next few weeks, we're going to spend uh, some time with this nature metaphor. Uh, I love that imagery in Psalm 1 we just, uh, we just heard in that, in that video, describing a person who is righteous, uh, following God's ways. Uh, verse 3 in Psalm 1 says that a righteous person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So over the next few weeks, we'll be considering what it takes to become like that tree, flourishing in our relationship with God. And today I want to zoom in on how a good tree or a good plant starts out. It has to be planted. Now, as I said, I, I, I'm just in awe of nature and, and the complexity and how it all works. And, and, and I think seeds really have to be uh, toward the top of the list of things that just, just blow my mind. Uh, We were recently in in Central California, and we spent a day at a place called Calaveras Big Trees State Park. And they say big trees. They're not lying. The giant sequoias are there. Some grow over 200 feet tall and uh, 20 feet in diameter naturalists estimate that that some of those trees have have been around for more than a thousand years i'll show you a couple of pictures there's uh, there's one just standing at the base go ahead to the next one so there's me at one that was uh down you can see we were up in elevation a little bit and there was about four feet of snow on the ground so that was kind of crazy so really the trees are much taller they're about four feet taller than what you are seeing there I'm just a little joke. Okay, there's me and Nick at the base of uh, at the base of one of the trees. So uh, anyway, um, it all starts out with this. There, you can see a little picture there. Um, I stole a pine cone. Don't uh, don't turn me in. Uh, uh, they 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 say that a, that a cone like this has up to two hundred seeds in it, and you see the seeds kind of pulled out there in in, uh, in that person's palm, um, and each of those seeds. Has the potential to grow into one of those big trees. And the average tree produces between 10 and 20,000 pine cones every year. So that means that one tree could have up to 4 million seeds at any one time. Kind of, again, mind blowing. And if you think about it, there's the potential for an infinite number of seeds. Baked into every single seed, because that seed can grow a tree that can grow millions of seeds, and each of those seeds can grow a tree that can grow million. And we just it just goes. I mean, it's just it's mind blowing to think about. But not all seeds grow. That forest of giant sequoias that we walked through that day uh, was was great, but there are not millions of trees there. There's not even hundreds of those trees there. Uh, That tells me that most of those thousands or millions of seeds that are produced by those trees never end up in a place where they can develop into anything beyond just a little flake of potential, right? They, They never get planted. Or if they get planted, they get planted in a place that is not conducive for growth. The surroundings, and especially the soil, make all the difference. Those seeds have everything they need baked inside of them in order to grow a huge tree, but they have to be planted in the right place. Jesus told a parable about all of this. It's one of his most well-known stories, and it's all about a farmer planting seeds. I want to read it from Luke chapter 8 today. Uh, Jesus uh, talking to the crowd, what it says in verse 4, While a large crowd was gathering, the people and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, in this passage, uh, uh, the disciples asked Jesus to explain this to them. Now, they didn't do that all the time, but uh, sometimes it's indicated that Jesus took them off to the side and explained things to them. This is one place where we actually read the explanation. Jesus uh, said, okay, I told this story. Uh, Come here, let me tell you what it's all about. So in in verse 11 of of Luke chapter 8, it says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes, that word, takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. It's an amazing picture of how things work in our spiritual lives, and it's a great description of God's word, the good news of Jesus. Whenever the message of God is shared, There is amazing potential for lives to be changed, for spiritual life and beauty to take root and to develop. The truth of God is like a seed, and it has huge potential. One thing we we have to see first off in this parable is that the seed of the word of God will not fail. If God's work is limited in our lives, it's not because the seed was faulty or rotten. It's not God's fault. Whenever God is at work, there is always the potential for a huge harvest. God-sized results are always possible because all of that is baked into the seed. Just like life is baked into each and every seed that is in, in nature, there is life in the word of God. And there's, there's nothing faulty or rotten about it. What keeps us from getting God-sized results in our lives isn't a problem with the seed, but it, in where it is planted. Because there are different kinds of soil. Jesus said that the, the types of soil in this story represent the types of hearts that people have when they encounter the seed of the Word of God. Uh, we, we receive spiritual truth in different ways. I guess we could look at it that way. Jesus described four types of soil, but only one was ready for growth. Only one was ready to see God-sized results. So as, as we walk through these, see if you can recognize what soil your heart is like. The first uh, place that the seed fell was along the path. Uh, These these hearts are hardened. Some of these hearts may be opposed to the word of God, while others are just oblivious to it. But either way, this parable is clear that a a seed will not grow where there is hard, unyielding soil. People with hearts like this are, are not looking for and aren't ready to receive anything from God. A huge danger for those who have hard hearts resistant to the uh, the, the seed, the word of God on the path uh, a, a huge danger is that they are susceptible to the devil's influence. Jesus said that those birds that came and, and, and got the, uh, the the seeds from the from the path represent the evil one who snatches away the seed that's sown. People who think they don't need God are right where the devil wants them and any seed that comes into their lives as explained away or ridiculed quickly, and, and they get even more hardened against the influence of God. No planting takes place on the path. The next uh, type of soil was the rocky soil that Jesus talked about, and the hearts uh, that Jesus likened the rocky soil to are initially receptive to the things of God, but it's temporary at best. They receive the Word of God with joy, he says, but, but, but they have no root. The soil is shallow. Maybe it's, uh, it's the emotion that comes. We, we oh, we get it's, it's an emotional experience, but it can't be sustained without putting down roots of understanding and, and a long-term commitment. Jesus said that as soon as the pressure comes, the, the time of testing, he says there in Luke 8. They they fall away. The, the the roots wither. We we talked last week uh, uh, about uh, the the trouble that we face in this world. Life isn't always easy. There will be uh, there will be problems and pain. And without deep spiritual roots, faith withers and dies. The thorny soil is the the, the third type that Jesus talked about. Uh, it's it's good soil. It's receptive to the seed. It's just crowded, and most most of the soil is already spoken for. Life's worries and riches and pleasures keep these people from maturing in their walk with God as their faith gets choked out. These people aren't bad, they're just busy, distracted. Their attention is divided. A distracted heart cannot grow the roots needed to sustain Life. A, a heart that cares more for the things of the world than for the things of the kingdom is not the healthy soil necessary to experience kingdom growth. Eventually, the kingdom of self chokes out the kingdom of God in their lives. These folks get off to a good start, but Jesus says they don't mature. They don't ever be gone, get beyond that good start, and they don't produce a crop. First 3 None of them are producing a crop that the farmer intended. The fourth soil, the good soil, is, uh, is, is a little different. They're, they're, these are the people whose hearts are receptive to the seed and they're, they're looking to grow the things of God and his kingdom in their lives. And, and it, it is in the, the, the hearts of these people that a bumper crop of the good things of God's kingdom grows. Faith deepens. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit is produced. Uh, God's character is developed, and God's plans are lived out. Jesus said that the, the hearts of these people are, quote, noble and good. They produce a hundred times more than what was planted. It, it's from that produce that that, uh, that that more seeds are sown for the kingdom of God. I mean, it, it seems pretty simple. It's a, kind of a simple story. You might even say, well, that's that's kind of, you know kids' Sunday school stuff, right? Most of these parables of Jesus did seem simple on the surface. This summer, we're going to be reading and studying a lot more about these. Uh, this is a series coming in just a few weeks, a summer of stories, and we're going to be walking through a bunch of these parables that Jesus taught and what that means in our lives and seeing the kingdom of God work in our lives. These stories may seem simple, but the wisdom and the truths that are declared there can literally change lives so we've already established it I already said it let me just say it again the seed is the word of God and it's always good it's it's never defective there's always the potential for life when God's word is proclaimed but its effectiveness is determined by how it's received so what do we do with this in in our lives today I think there's two things probably a lot more but at least these two. Number 1, I would challenge you to keep planting seeds. The seed of the of God's kingdom has huge potential and it needs to be planted and you and I must be the farmers for the for the kingdom, scattering seed wherever and whenever we can. It, it won't always produce but that's not the fault of the seed, and it's not the fault of the farmer. Uh, the, there, there is harvest waiting in the hearts of people that you know, uh, if as you are faithful to sow the seed and to share the truths of God. Uh, it it can happen naturally organically we we hear preachers say well you need to go sow the seed and 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 then we get all scared because we don't have the presentation memorized or we don't know what uh what exactly to say or how to if if you are <laughs> it, it, if you are living in that if you are that good soil and God is growing in you it's naturally going to produce seed that will spill over into the lives of others if it's not obvious to the people around you that you follow Jesus Probably time to evaluate the soil of your own heart and whether God's word is thriving in your life already. Because living things grow and they produce and scatter seeds. This, <laughs> this past, maybe it's not a great analogy, but this past week, um, uh, man, and thank you, uh, those who mowed, uh, th- this was a bumper crop this year of dandelions. And they all have the big pfft on the head. And uh, next, next year promises to be, I don't know, I think it's a hundredfold more than what was sown. It's a, it's a lot. Uh, we have about four acres here that we mow and, uh, and probably 3.9 of those have some type of dandelion growing on it so uh, it's it's amazing how that uh, how that all works but but living things grow and they produce and there's probably no better picture than that dandelion where it has all those seeds and then the wind comes along and because it has grown and produced now it's going to scatter and and plant those seeds in other places and that's what we need to be I don't know maybe that's the takeaway be a dandelion I don't know we can't As I think on Mother's Day, um, what a great time to think about the opportunities that that moms have, that parents have to plant seeds in our homes, right? Uh, You have the the wonderful privilege and responsibility to plant the seeds of the Word of God in, in your children and your grandchildren. So don't give up. Sometimes it's hard and, and it feels like we're fighting against so many things that, that are fighting against that. But, but let me challenge you today to keep planting the truths of God in the lives of the, the people in your life. Keep helping them to cultivate those things in their hearts. Pray for receptivity to the things of God. I think it's, you know, it's not our responsibility of how it's received, but we can also pay attention to or or look for signs of receptivity in the people in our lives as well. Uh, God is always preparing people. Uh, His, uh, we use the word once already today, his prevenient grace is a grace that is working on us even ever before we we ever uh, recognize it or know it. He is moving uh, and working and preparing hearts, and so when we encounter someone, uh, we can, Uh, we can have some discernment to know where God is moving and working and and uh, and how receptive they might be look for signs of receptive soil someone might ask you a question about your faith well that'd be that'd be uh, a sign of receptivity in a way an open door to share Maybe, uh, maybe you invite them to, uh, to church or to an event, a, a, a church event of some sort, and they say yes. Well, there's probably uh, a, a sign of receptivity, right? Or, or it might be more subtle than that. Maybe they're going through something difficult, and and you can bring a word of encouragement uh, through uh, through your faith and belief in Jesus. Or, or maybe things are changing uh, in their lives. Uh, people are more receptive when when they're changing other areas. They say when when uh, when people get married or they have a baby or they move to a new location, they're they're more receptive to, to issues of faith because a lot of things are changing in their lives and they're reevaluating how they're living. Uh, pay attention to 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 where God may seem to be uh preparing the way uh to uh for that seed to be planted in people's lives i keep planting seeds the second one is that you and i need to keep cultivating our own soil make sure the soil of your heart is is good we have to be receptive to the message of God and his kingdom in our own life. We, we have to always be growing, uh, putting down roots. Uh, there's a few few ways that we can do that in keeping with the metaphor. First, I, I think we need to always be plowing uh, in our hearts. Turn over the soil. Don't let yourself get hardened to the things of God. Primarily, that means remaining Humble. That means being open to the fact that you might not have it all together and you might just have to ask for forgiveness about something and, and uh, uh, there might need to be some repentance going on and, and we're always seeking out to, for God to, uh, to do his work in our hearts. Turn over control of your life to God. Keep that soil soft. The, the, the seed is good and it will take root if, if the soil is good. So we need to plow. I think we also need to weed. Don't let the, as Jesus said, the worries, pleasures, and riches of life take root in your heart. If, if you do, they will limit the effectiveness of God's work, and, and if left unchecked, they will choke him out completely. I, I think this is, this is a big thing for us in, in this day and age, uh, for, uh, especially for good church folk like, uh, like those of you gathered here in this place today, right? But we can get distracted real easily. And we can slowly let the things of this world take precedence over the things of God. After, after many failed attempts at gardens, the number one thing that, uh, that discouraged me more than anything else is weeds. I mean, weeds are no joke. And you can pull them out today, and by tonight, there's more coming up. And, uh, and they're, they're strong little boogers. They're a whole lot stronger than the good stuff that you're trying to grow, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's no joke. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. There are so many things, and maybe not even evil things, just things that we crowd our lives with, that we put as more important than, or maybe just this once we'll do, or maybe we'll push this over so we can, and pretty soon it becomes the normal thing and, and God gets pushed to the side and, and he gets choked out. We have to make sure that nothing and no one is more important to us than God. We must submit our our plans, submit our relationships, submit everything in our lives to God and get rid of the things that are distracting us from him, the weeds. We need to plow, we need to weed, and then we also need to feed. Uh, in order to have good receptive soil, not only do we uh, uh, need to uh, get rid of that, that bad stuff there, but we need to fill ourselves with good stuff. We need to fertilize, I guess. Uh, we need to uh, uh, spend time with God in, in prayer and in the Bible and, and in church and, and, uh, and seeking after the things of God, seeking after the seed of his word. And that will cultivate the soil of our hearts so that we're ready to respond when God speaks. Feed your soil, the soil of your heart, with with spiritual habits. So, simple or not, it's kind of foundational, right? We're growing in our relationship with God. How are we growing? Where do you see your heart today? Is your heart more like the path or the rocky soil or the, the, the thorny places or the good soil? Honestly, evaluating your own heart is an essential step in allowing the seed of God's Word to be, to be planted there and then to grow and to mature in your life. You can be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither.